everything that you need. He is all things that you need. He is that thing that you thought of that you didn't need. He is that thing. Oh, come on, give the Lord a hand. Y'all act like y'all don't know who he is. He is Alpha. He is Omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. Come on, act like you know who he is. He is the God that heals you. He is the God that separates the bad stuff and makes it good. He is all that and some. He said, I swear by my own self, there is none. That's who he is. And because of who he is, because of the access he granted, he said, I went to hell and snatched the keys. Ha. Ain't no need for you to be bound. Tonight you gain access to your freedom over depression, over sickness. God is inviting you to be welcome to your freedom. You have been emancipated in worship. You have been liberated by praise. And now you will gain access by the word of God. I'm up here to give a welcome. Do y'all feel welcome? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Liberty is freedom. Oh, come on, bless his name. We're so excited that you're here. And I do want to take a moment. I know I'm supposed to be welcoming you, but there's just something about the way that I believe that we should always honor God and honor God's good people. So right now, I just like to say on behalf of our pastor, Pastor Ricky Temple, the Ricky Temple of Overcoming by Faith Ministries. And his wife, who is just like the Uber most over the top best first lady ever. We say welcome on behalf of Jesus because we're so glad you're here and we couldn't do it without you, but I'm so grateful that God made it possible for us to do it with such great leaders. Come on, give them a hand. Give them a hand. It's all right to stand up on your feet. I believe you honor those that honor God. Amen. Amen. Take your seats. So we're so excited. We're so excited and honored that you thought it not robbery to come and break bread with us tonight, Pastor Tim. And so before she gets ready to bring the word of God, we're going to just look to the screen and just get a better view of what we're getting ready to have access to in the name of Jesus. So the next voice that you will hear after the video will be that none other than Pastor Reba Timms. Motivational speaker, entrepreneur, identical twin, mother and sister friend, Pastor Reba has diligently served in ministry most of her adult life. Even though she experienced a major personal transition in the midst, she has continued to feel the powerful call of God drawing her to work in ministry. 
Reva Timms founded Majestic Life Ministries in Orlando, Florida, and has pastored there for more than 10 years. Reva has a deep passion for the needy and hurting people, out of which led to her mission for outreach and evangelism. Ladies of Overcoming by Faith, please stand on your feet and welcome Dr. Reva Timms. Hallelujah. Can we give God another hand praise? Amen. Amen. And before you are seated, let's give the angel stick of this house overcoming by faith, Pastor Ricky Temple, a big hand praise. As well as the wonderful lady, Diane. I just fell in love with her just sitting here dealing with the microphone. Amen. Such a wonderful woman of grace, a wonderful woman of freedom. There is liberty already here in this house. And where the spirit of the Lord is... There is liberty. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I'm so excited to be here with you tonight. Uh, we've had a wonderful time from the time we got picked up by Daryl to the time we were greeted by Jackie. Uh, just the hospitality is a wonderful, a spirit of excellence. So I'm just excited tonight. I believe that God has a word. And many times when God has a word of deliverance, because uh, anytime you're dealing with freedom or you're dealing with anything that deals with setting captives free, you're dealing with deliverance. And so it did not surprise me when something happened with the microphone. Now, now I'm, not a, I'm not a spooky type of person, but I knew immediately that there is a prophetic move that's going to take place in this house. And so we're just going to enjoy Jesus tonight. We're going to let the word come forth in power and in demonstration as we get into the word of God tonight. Look at your neighbor and let them know freedom looks good on you. Amen. It surely does. So, Father, we give you the glory and the honor. And we thank you for your faithfulness. Father, we thank you for the privilege and the honor to come into your presence we thank you tonight, oh God, that the wonderful music ministry ushered in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the dancers tonight that worship before you. Father, we thank you for the atmosphere has been set. And Father, we thank you for the wonderful musicians. We give you glory and honor. And tonight, oh God, we ask that as the word comes forth, that every hindering spirit is silenced in the name of Jesus. We thank you even now, oh God, that you've already prepared the way that you're going to meet us right where we are father I thank you that you dispatch your ministering angels even now in this sanctuary father we thank you that breakthrough is already here we thank you that healing is already in this house father we give you glory and honor that you move the way you want to move by your precious Holy Spirit we give you the glory and the honor in the precious name of your son, Jesus the Christ. And everybody say, amen. amen, amen. Well, tonight the scripture is John chapter 8, verse 16. If the son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Now, when we think about freedom, we also have to think about the fact that you have to be free from something. And there are those that have been in bondage. If you will look at that word bondage in the Greek, it comes from the word dulu. And it really means a slave to either literally, figuratively, involuntarily, or voluntarily. You can be in a slavery situation to something. 
And so tonight we want to begin to identify what are some of the things that may have had you bound in our lives. Many times we don't realize that we are bound because we've lived bound for so long. There are times in life we don't really understand that there may be something that has held us captive and we're not sure why because the abnormal has become normal. Uh, There are times in life where you could be bound, and many times people think about sex, drugs, pornography. They think about all the, you know, the the big sins, and you're bound to that. But there are others that are bound to pride and hate and jealousy and resentment. They they are bound to materialism, self-centeredness, or laziness, or anger, or bitterness, or lying. Anybody know anybody bound to those things? And so we we see this, and many times we don't realize that we could be operating in something unless we first take a look at ourselves. The Bible says in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. And then he says this, this is Jesus talking, to set the oppressed free. And we're going to look at four instances where people can be oppressed. Oppression is to be dominated. It it means to be held down. It means to be suppressed. It means to be controlled or limited. It means means to be held down or suppressed so that you can't carry out your God-given assignment. Oh, my goodness. There's some of us that have experienced that before and did not realize that somebody was holding us back from walking in our potential. And the one way, the first way I want to talk about is that oppression can come by other people. If you look in the scripture, you'll find in Exodus chapter 1, here in verse 6, this is where Joseph, uh, many of you know Joseph uh, took care of the the Pharaoh. He was able to be a dreamer. He was able to stop famine and the land. And the Bible says that there came a time in the day where Joseph died and his brothers died and all the generations of Joseph died. And there rose a king that knew not of Joseph. And he came on the throne, he began to look at all these Israelites. They were in the kingdom of Egypt, and these Israelites were blessed. They were prosperous. They were multiplied. They were increased. They were many. Why? Because of Joseph. And so now we see that Joseph is gone, and this king is getting afraid, and he does not realize that Egypt is blessed because of the Israelites. So because he doesn't realize it, in verse 10 of Exodus 1, he says, come We must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. So they put slave masters over them. The Bible says they oppressed them. They they made them into forced labor. The Bible says in verse 12, and the more that they were oppressed, the more that the children of Israel multiplied. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. It says they made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the field. It says they made them work ruthlessly and did not realize that they were the blessing. 
And I'm here to declare to you that there's some of you that are on jobs or in ministries or, or maybe have to deal with somebody that was messing with your mind because they saw the gift on you. They saw you had the it factor. And because when they saw that you had it, they became jealous and they wanted to oppress you. Okay, Pastor Reba, break it down a little bit. Well, this is a ladies' conference, and some of you had to deal with some men in your life, and maybe they were not really men, but they were really boys. And they messed with you to make you think that you weren't pretty enough, to make you think you weren't good enough, to make you think that you didn't measure up. And they never wanted you to come to the fact to realize just how fine you really are because they didn't want you to know how wonderful you are because you will look at them and leave that joker alone. So, so, so people will do that. Little girls get bullied because they're beautiful or confident or because they are talented or gifted. And so you see them bullied and they don't know, what did I do? I'm just being nice. Somebody saw that they had a blessing on them and they didn't like it, so they oppressed them. You see others in ministries, I see this sometimes in, in, I mean, I've been passing almost 20 years, well, almost 25 years now. And I've seen sometimes when people will come into a department ministry and they're gifted and they may be more gifted than the department head. (laughs) And so what does the department head do? Instead of allowing that person to shine, they oppress them. They don't want to see. So listen, I, I, I was talking to a pastor one time and it was really funny. We were all at a conference and he just got off the phone. He said, my Wednesday night service, they, the, the people are going crazy. The, 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 the church is just going bananas. There's such an anointing there. Everything's just every, everybody's they're still in the house praising God. And he was upset. I said, but isn't that good? He said, no, I'm not there. And I mean, that, but that's a mark of a good leader. If you can have a ministry that does well while you're not there, that makes you look good. And so instead of going back there and taking them and oppress them and make them sit down, you ought to let them shine some more. And so many times we've got to begin to look at our insecurities and think about who oppressed us. Who told us we weren't good enough? Who told us we weren't pretty enough? Who made us captive in our thoughts to think that we needed to be better than what we really are already? And so this is how we've got to begin to see that, that they will begin to oppress you with fear. They will begin to make you feel intimidated. And I mean, no, you can't function like that. And so, so in Exodus chapter 2 verse 23 says that there was a long period of time where they went through this oppression by the Egyptian. And the Bible says, then the king died. And when the king died, it says, then the people cried out unto God. Isn't it amazing that they didn't cry out to God while the king was alive? But they cried out to God when the king died. And the Bible says that God heard their cries. And he says, and when he heard their cries, he was in remembrance of the covenant of Abraham. And that covenant lets us know that he says in the scripture that I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those that curse you. Uh, The blessing of Abraham lets you know that you have uh, rights and you have freedoms. and, and, And so while the king was alive with the oppression, he obscured God. 
And many times it is your oppressor that obscures who God really is. And so while you're looking at the negative folk, God's saying, I'm waiting for you to cry out to me. While you're receiving all the negative information, the bullying, the ones that tear you down, God says, if you will get them out the way and stop focusing on them, but start crying out to me and remembering my word and allowing God to use you to open up your mouth and cry aloud. See, many times we're waiting on God, but God is waiting on us. Hallelujah. And I've seen that in my very own life. And the Bible says that in in Exodus 3 and 7, when they finally were able to cry out, the Bible says, and I indeed have seen their misery. I have heard their crying, so I have come down to rescue them. Hallelujah. And he says that I'm going to give them a land, and I'm going to make it spacious, flowing with milk and honey. And so here we see in Scripture that while they were being oppressed, God was already working it out with the Moses. And many times you don't realize that when you cry out to God, he's already working it out, though you may not see it. And so that's why you can't stop crying out to God. That's why you can't let your circumstances stop you. That's why we don't walk by what we see. We walk by what we don't see. That's why we don't let people stop us in our circumstances and our situations. That's why when we cry out to God, as long as I know that God is who he says he is, as long as I know that God is going to be a promise keeper, as long as I I know that God sits on the throne. It's going to be all right. I may not see it right now, but I know that it is coming because God is not a man that he would lie, nor the son of man that he would need to repent. He is God and he is God all by himself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the first one is the people. The second one is we get oppressed by systems and organizations. Look, we live in Florida. We still counting votes. Systems. Systems that you didn't, you didn't have nothing to do with it, but you got to be a part of it. Some people in other countries are born into caste system where they can only be able to be a certain, uh, have a certain type of occupation. While others can be doctors and lawyers, they can, all, they can be janitors and maids, and others could be uh, food workers, others could be uh, whatever, but they are, they are limited to the system that has been put in place. And we see in scripture uh, where this woman, she came and she was in the synagogue and Jesus was teaching. And while, she, while he was teaching, he saw this woman who was bent over. And the Bible says that her pelvis was fused over. So she could not sit up. It was like it was fused together so she couldn't stand up. And Jesus saw her on the Sabbath day and said, come on over here. And the Bible says you're going to be made whole from your infirmity. That's what Jesus said. And she stood up immediately. Well, of course, there was all the people in the synagogue and they got indignant about it. How dare you heal on the Sabbath day? What kind of sense does that make? And the Bible says, Jesus says, all y'all are hypocrites. He says, he says, when your donkey is bound up and tied up on the Sabbath day and the donkey is hungry, you untie that donkey and lead the donkey to get some water. 
Now, how be it that you're talking about the law of Moses when this daughter of Abraham has been bound by Satan and I'm loosing her and setting her free? And so he begins to let her know, you are hypocrites. But get this, what Jesus just did was let them know what the law really was because they spoke of Moses, but Jesus went to something that came before Moses. He went all the way to Abraham. And so he let them know that this woman is in covenant with Abraham. And because she's in covenant with Abraham, she has a right to be healed. She has a right to be set free. You dealing with Moses, Jesus says, I'm dealing with Abraham. And he shut their mouths. Why is that important? It's important because you got to know it for yourself. You've got to be able to know the word. See, when you're in systems, you got to know the word for yourself. Why is that important? Because people will dupe you if you don't know it for yourself. Uh, uh, people will get over you if you don't know it for yourself. This is important because even we look back in history, we look back in January 1863. That's when the proclamation of the emancipation of proclamation was signed, right? But how do you know there were some in Texas that didn't get the news till June 1865? So they went a year and a half or so in slavery because they didn't know that they were free. They went doing the same old thing every day under a rulership that had already been powerless. But because they did not know, they walked in slavery. And many times in the body of Christ, because we do not know who we are, we do not know the word for ourselves. We walk in a place that is not free because we don't know. The Bible says that there was a woman by the, by queen, her, she was the queen of Sheba and she was rich. And she says, I've got to go see this Solomon for myself. She said, I don't need nobody else to go. She said, I'm going to travel the 1,400 miles to see. I'm going to bring a big caravan with me. I'm not going to, I don't want nobody to go for me, though I could pay for it. I'm a monarch. I have the most dominant kingdom in the world. But I got to see this Solomon for myself. He's got answers to questions that I have. He's got wisdom and he's got wealth and it's all connected to a God, one God. I've got to know this for myself. And the Bible says it took, uh, well, you have to study, but it took two and a half months, the three months to get there. But she got there. She got the information for herself. God says it's time out to live in on the revelation of grandma. Time out for living on the revelation of your pastor. Time out for living on their testimonies. He says, I need you to have a testimony for yourself. I need you to see God for yourself. See, when I went through a valley season, I did not have health insurance anymore. And God healed my body. And I got a revelation that God is a healer for myself. So when people talk about God can't heal, you can't make me doubt God because I know too much about God. He healed my body. I got a revelation for myself. You can't dupe me to make me think that God is not powerful because God regulated my mind when I thought I was going to lose my mind. Had 
had it not been for the grace of God, had it not been for the glory of God, had it not been for his favor, I don't know where I would be. I got a rep. See, I get excited when I think about him. And I'm telling you, if you know it for yourself, the devil can't trick you. <laughs> the devil can't get over on you. Hallelujah. And so, so we see this in scripture. I know it for myself. So that means even though some people, all they've known in their life was that the government had to take care of them. They've been in a system. All they know is that they got to get the handout because they've been in a the system. They were born in it. All they know about is sugar daddies. That's all they know. Man, I got to pay my bills. If I have a baby by him, then I'm going to be set. That's all they know. So the more babies I have, the more money I get from, from the government, the more I get taken care of because I got to survive some kind of way. And they think that is life because that's all they know. All they know is how to manipulate somebody. All they know is to, to look good on the outside but feel like, like a mess on the inside. All they know is how to get the weave tight and right and get everything looking good for everybody to see, but on the inside, they're not feeling it. And all they know is how to, how to, how to, how to take the pain away by, by sexing it up or by drinking it up, by smoking it up. That's all they know. And it's not until they get the information and the knowledge to say, you don't have to be oppressed like that anymore. The government is upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ. You don't have to wait for somebody to take care of you because you got a God that will provide for you. Did you not know that his name is Jehovah Jireh? Did you not know that he is your provider? Did you not know that he said not a child will be begging for bread? Did you not know? And so we've got to make sure that we see that God is the one that provides. Number three, some of us can be oppressed by our past. Some of us have skeletons in our closets. Some of us have failures. Some of us have abuse. Some of us have been raped, molested. Some of us have unthinkable things that have happened to us. Some of us have been in a world of sin before, and sin leads to lasciviousness, and it leads to all types of perversion. And though you're on the other side of it, you have memories of it. And you, it's like, have you ever seen a dog on a chain? And that dog is excited to see the owner, and he starts running when the owner calls, and then the chain stops him. And he can't move, but he's trying to go, but he can't move. And even when that owner takes him for a walk, he can only go about a three-mile radius around. He, he, though he's free, he's still got that chain on him. And many times, your, your creator, your master calls you, and you start running toward him, and then the chain of your past stops you. Uh, you get called to do something that, that is great and wonderful, and then you think about your past and think you're not good enough. Uh, you get in a place of real worship with God and real liberty and freedom with God, and the enemy will throw the thought of your past. And then your hands come down just a little bit. 
And so we've got to begin to see God past our past because if we really believe that the blood of Jesus is just that potent and powerful to wipe your slate clean, if God said that I put your sin into the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more, then you've got to believe him. But the enemy will speak words of condemnation to you. Words that says you are condemned and you can never be used. But the Lord will again will speak and let you know that all things are old things are passed away. And behold, I'm doing something new in your life. And so God is letting you know that your past is not going to dictate your future. Only God can do that. And so God is letting you know that he has put it in the sea of forgetfulness. And the only way that he remembers it is when you keep talking about it. He said, I forgot it. He said, when the blood covered it. Touch your name and say, you free, girl? Act like it. You free. And we see this in a more practical sense with a woman in scripture, and her name is Ruth. Ruth is a Moabite. Ruth is a woman that has a lineage that is, is messed up. First of all, she has, well, what do you mean, Pastor Reba? Well, if we look in scripture, you understand that, that Lot had two daughters. And out of the two daughters, he slept with them. And so came the Moabites and the Ammonites. Ammonites. And so they came out of incest. Lot, remember, he was, he was uh, wilding it out in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so he still, you know, they still had some of that stuff going on. And so here we see she's a Moabite. And not only that, we understand that Lot was considered someone extremely selfish. When Lot, when Lot was time, when Abraham said, listen, it's time for us to part. Your herdsmen are very selfish. They're taking over stuff that don't belong to them. Let us just split our ways. And, Lot, and Abraham said, what land do you want? Instead of Lot saying, hey, listen, Abraham, you the, you the boss. You the chief. You pick it first. I take what's left. Lot picked the best. He was selfish. The Bible speaks in Deuteronomy when the children of Israel were going across trying to get to the promised land. The king Moab, Moab, Moab stopped them and would not let them come through and then tried to hire Balaam to, to, to prophesy against them. So now we got spiritual perversion. We got sexual perversion. We got selfishness. And so much so that the Bible also says in Deuteronomy 23, and it says, no Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter into the assembly of the Lord, not even by the 10th generation. Nehemiah says, on that day in the book of Moses was read aloud in the hearing of the people, and there was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever be admitted into the assembly of God. So here is Ruth. Ruth is a Moabite. And how in the world did she become in the lineage of David? If she, if, look, look, this is a woman that could not even go into the house of God, according to scripture. See, when people label you one thing, God will tell you something else. Oh, y'all not hearing me. Uh, uh, see, she, see, she didn't let her past stop her. What she did was say something like this. Your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. I'm going to go wherever you tell me to go. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. And she submitted to God. And her past 
had to sit down and shut up. So now we see this woman that was labeled perverted by her ancestry, labeled not good enough, labeled. She ends up getting with Boaz and she has a baby and the baby is Obed and Obed has a baby. His name is Jesse. And Jesse has a baby. His name is King David. So here is a woman that people said wasn't good enough, that could never come out of her lineage because she was born into it. But now she is the great-grandmother of the king. Y'all not hearing me. So I just want you to know whatever people have told you about yourself, And they said, you were born that way. You came in the earth uh, black and you came in the earth not having money. You came in the earth not able, not with education. You can't, whatever they said, don't even worry about it. John James said, I'm free from that. (laughs) Whatever God says I am, that's who I am. If God says I'm royalty, then I'm royalty. If God says I'm a queen, then I'm a queen. Oh, y'all not hearing me. Y'all might think I'm just from the ghetto. Y'all might think that I'm just from the street. Y'all might think that I'm just abused or I'm a divorcee or I'm just jacked up. I'm messed up. I've been through hell and back. Y'all might see me like that, but God sees a daughter. God sees a special one. God sees a woman that he can take pride in and says, I'm going to put you not only in the lineage of King David, but in the lineage of the Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so, so everywhere I go, I always say that I give a part of my testimony because I believe a testimony is what kills the enemy's plans over people's life. I remember I got caught up thinking about my past. I remember being cared for it and being married and, and, uh, and just having a, a, a wonderfully seemingly life and everything was always good. And then when I woke up one day, everything was gone. And now I got to figure out how to take care of four kids and have a special needs child and trying to figure out how I'm going to make it. And I hadn't worked for 14 years in corporate. I was in ministry. And so now I just want to go somewhere hide underneath a rock. I didn't feel like I was, I would work. I could do anything. Who would want me? Four kids, really? Special needs? Hadn't really been out there. Had a lot of drama in my life. And I remember I got in this business, and it was network marketing, because I, I couldn't get a job, and I needed something that I could take care of my kids, be at home. And when I started taking that job, I remember knocking on doors. Trish is my assistant. She's here, and this is, you know, early on. And she was so gracious to say, I'll buy one from you, Pastor Reva. <laughs> And it was just, you know, I'm, I'm selling these girdles and nutritional products. And I could hear people whispering, Lord have mercy. Is that Pastor Reva? She going way down, ain't she? Lord, look at her. That's a darn shame, ain't it? I can hear, I'm be like, I'm right here. I can hear you. <laughs> Hello. And even though I wanted to cry, I put my shoulders back and my chin up. And I always say this, you never let the devil see you sweat. I remember starting that, that, working in that business and seeing it moving and growing and starting off with 500 a month, to 1,000 a month, to 
5,000 a month to 10,000 a month to 20,000 a month. Y'all not hearing me. Despise not small beginnings. What was humiliating was the very thing that God used to bless me. And so meanwhile, God was setting me up and I didn't know it. But he was setting me up to build my confidence because he was calling me to pastor again. And I didn't know it. And so when he called me to pastor again, I, you know, reluctantly I did. But it was because of that job that I was able to work two years without taking a paycheck from the church. But I had to know for myself. And it was in that place that God began to show me who I really was. What was I made of? Could it be some of your systems that you're in? It's not for just the matter of oppression. It's for the matter of you waking up to come out of it. To see that there is greatness on the inside of you. That you don't need people to, 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 to make it work for you, to make it happen for you. That God will make it happen for you. Can I tell you, the favor of God on your life is better than money. The favor of God on your life will open doors that no man can. It is the favor of God. It is the grace of God on your life. And so it's in these places that God will begin to do a new thing in you. And so you know that the past is the past. You can't change it. You can't erase it. And you can't even ignore it at times. But it's all right. Because the Bible says in Romans 8 and 1, Therefore there is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has given you freedom from the law of sin and death. I learned that I was free. I became free from the opinions of people. <laughs> I became free from what they were talking and saying. It didn't matter anymore. Because, you know, that's petty. When you're in the survival mode and God is moving you through the ranks and he's taking you up higher and higher, you leave the petty folk alone. They can talk all they want. Can I tell you one thing? The greatest revenge is success. You don't have to say a word. All you got to do is walk in victory. All you got to do is walk with Jesus. All you got to do is let them see that God is with you. And everything, come on now, you got nothing but love for people. That's it. You don't have art. You don't have any type of hate. You don't have any type. Oh, you forgive everybody because God is with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I promise God I will always tell my testimony. And the fourth thing is the oppression of your mind. Sometimes your mind can play tricks on you. Hmm. Have you ever seen an elephant? I'm talking about like the two-ton elephant, the huge elephant, and it just has a flimsy rope that is holding it back. Have you ever seen that before? It's like, why in the world is that elephant just not running away? That rope ain't going to hold nothing. But if you look back, long when that elephant was a baby, and they got that elephant as a young elephant, baby elephant, they put a heavy chain around his neck. And that elephant would strive day and night, day and night, trying to break free. Day and night, hour after hour, hour after hour. And finally, he was broken. 
to the point that once he was broken, they were able to take off the heavy chain and just put a flimsy rope around him, and he would not move. And he grew 20 years later. He grew bigger and bigger and did not realize how much power he really had. And oftentimes in life, our mind plays tricks on us because of what we have been conditioned to believe. What we have been conditioned to walk in. I saw one time on on the internet, it was a young Caucasian guy, and he was a big, heavy guy. He was heavy. He could have been in probably the seventh grade, and he he was a husky guy. That was this little skinny boy just bullying him, picking him. And the guy just was just like this. He was just like this. He, he, the, the, the little guy was pushing him, calling him all kinds of names, uh, pushing him. And he, the guy, and all of a sudden, you saw something snap. Next thing we see is the husky guy takes the little guy, picks him up over his head, and throws him down on the ground. It was quite brutal, matter of fact. But he realized something. He realized who he was. It was at that moment something snapped. And he realized, I have more power than this little guy. And there's times in life where you will snap. Where the devil keeps pushing you and pushing you and pushing you. And you say, don't push me because I'm close to the edge. (laughs) I'm trying not. To lose my head. <laughs> oh, y'all not hearing me. And the devil keeps pushing you. And you be like, don't push me. Don't push me. And finally, it snaps. I have power over all the power of the devil. God has given me authority to speak to the enemy, and he's got to flee. If I submit to God and resist the devil, he's got to come out of my life. And once I got that revelation, I learned how to do spiritual warfare. Once I got that revelation that the devil could not push me anymore, I learned how to fight the enemy. Oh, y'all not talking to me because God will put you on the job training. He'll put you in the midst of the valley. He'll put you in the midst of the fire. He'll be like the Hebrew boys and you're surrounded by fire. You said, God, I didn't know you were don't make me go in the fire. God said, I'm trying to get you to gold status, baby. I'm just trying to get you to gold status. Because once you come out of the fire, you'll be pure as gold. All the dross, all the fear, all the hate, all the revenge will be gone. And if you look closely, you're not by yourself. Jesus is right there with you. Because you don't look like you've been through the fire. You don't smell like smoke. Oh, y'all not hearing me? You don't have soot on you. All you got is grace. All you got is favor. You may be in the fire. It may seem hot sometimes, but God says, I'm working it out. Now your enemies put you in it. They falling by the wayside, but you're able to stand in the midst of the, oh my goodness. It's there that God shows up. And it was there that God showed up in the fire. And you learn that the devil has no power. He has no authority. Turn to your sister and say, you're free. You're free. You got to know it in your mind. And so when the enemy tries to crush your spirit, 
The Bible says it's wounded. Who can bear it? Job talked a good talk, and then he got in that valley for a while. The Bible says in Job 2 and 13, then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and nights, and no one said a word to Job, for they saw that his suffering was too great for words. So while Job was sitting there in silence for seven days and seven nights, the enemy was assaulting his mind. What does the enemy talk to you about? What does the enemy tell you when you look in the mirror, when you look at your bank account? What does the children say? What does, what does the enemy say to you when you look at an empty bed? What, what, does, what does the enemy say to you when you're looking at your children that you reared and you did your best with and maybe they're not walking the way that you think they should do? What, what, what does the enemy say in your mind? And so we've got to begin to say, God, take this mind. I need the mind of Christ because my spirit got saved, understand, but my mind didn't. My body stayed the same and my mind didn't get saved. It's my spirit. So my mind is always trying to block my spirit. My mind is always in warfare with my spirit. When I start praising God and giving him glory, my mind begins to speak and tries to shut it down. Then my mind and my body gets in cahoots. And my mind and my body start making plans without consulting the spirit. And so now I'm in a mess because what I don't want to do, I do. And what I don't want to do, I do. And what I do want to do, I don't. Because there's confusion taking place. So I got to get my mind to be the mind of Christ. So my mind can get in conjunction with my spirit. And if I can get in alignment and my spirit and my mind come in agreement, my body's got to follow suit. And so we see this in scripture that we've got to know that it is the mind that is like a sponge. The mind, guess what? It does not discriminate. The mind will take anything in. So it takes, it takes, it takes hate in and will not give forgiveness. But when the spirit comes in conjunction with it, the spirit will say, I forgive you. <laughs> the mind say, what's your problem? But the, but the spirit will say, mind, get in line with the word. <laughs> so you got to have your, your place to understand that I'm not going to hate, I'm going to love. I'm not going to hurt, I'm going to have joy. I'm not going to have revenge, I'm going to forgive. Because my spirit is controlling. Why? Because I'm not walking by my flesh. I'm walking by the spirit of the Lord. So how do you know that this is true? Well, the children of Israel, they finally get out from Egypt, and now they call them back. I got to go back to Egypt because this stuff out here. So they were ready to go back to the flesh pots of Egypt instead of going to the promised land. Why? Because their mind was telling them something, and their spirit didn't comprehend. No, their spirit was telling them something, but their mind couldn't comprehend. So here we see many times God has you on course for purpose. And so he's getting you to your promised land. And can I tell you, if you look in scripture, the promised land and the, and, and the Egypt were kind of polar opposite. But in order to look at one, you have to turn your back to the other. And so here we see folk trying to go this way, but, but like Lot's wife trying to look back. So here we see that their mouth says, I want the promised land, 
But we see that their mind is trying to take them back to, back to Egypt. And how many times we do that? We say, I'm set free and I'm delivered. I left that jugaboo alone. I ain't messing with that guy no more. Then why are you always on Facebook looking at him? Every time you turn, you can't wait to get on your Facebook page to look at his page. Are you really delivered? Then you keep looking at your phone. Did he text me? Did he call me? Then you're looking at all the friends. How many women on his page now? How many, how many times is she like that? But I thought you were delivered. You got to ask yourself, is, am I really delivered with my mouth or is it my spirit? And so once you get your spirit delivered, you can get your mind set free. And so we got to let go of Canaan so we can walk into our promised land. We got to let go of things that have drawn us away from God so that we can walk in the full potential of God. See, your mind will oppress you to keep you down, to think that there will be no success in your life unless you're connected. So many people got caught up in social media. What did we do before social media? Think about it. Did we have lives before social media? People wake up in the morning so they can post to see who's going to like them. What did we do when we used to drive in the car with no phone? We just drove, right? It was life. We thought, we worshiped. Now we're trying to text while driving. We're trying to look at we can't. We can't put it down. Why? Because some people are getting their validation from other people. Their mind says, I've got to hustle. I got to get mine. I got to get out. Uh, but that's not true. That's not true. What you have to do is be on purpose and be in destiny. What you have to do is not be an imitator, but being an original. What you have to do is stop letting others dictate how you should look or how you should think. What you have to do is stop trying to fit in to all the celebrity status and just be you. Amen. Get, get your mind right. And so one of the things I think that's why God could use me because I am not impressed by anybody. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Really, I'm not. I'm not starstruck by anybody. I'm not impressed by anybody. Why? Because I didn't, honestly, this was, a, this was a Nineveh thing for me. God says, Pastor, that was like Jonah going to Nineveh. And so many times God will give it to you because you don't really want it, and he knows he can trust you with it. And so why am I telling you this? I'm saying, don't be hungry for the world. Be hungry for God. Yeah. Amen. Don't be thirsty for status. I mean, how many times do we need to see this? I don't even know how to pucker. <laughs> how many times do we need to see? How many, how many times do we need to see your breakfast on the table or your lunch? Who, who cares? Think about it. How many times do we need to hear that, you know, how you're feeling today because somebody said something and you give a long dissertation about it? I'm just, it just blows my mind. 
I'm, I'm off, off my topic now, got off course. But we got to get out of that because it causes our mind to get corrupt and contaminated. And so the Bible says they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. The OJ said it a long time ago. Y'all heard that? Mm, I heard y'all over there. Your body's here with me. But your mind, what? Is on the other side of town. So you, you keep saying, I'm here, God, I'm in church. But while you're in church, you're thinking about the world. Hallelujah. Get our mind right. The Bible says in Romans 7, 15, for that which I do, I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, I do. Why is that important that Paul said it? Because Paul wasn't in denial. And so I think it'll be a good exercise for you to take the time just to write it down. You know what secretly your desires are. You've got to identify them. What are some of your hurts? What are some of your uh, dislikes? What are some of the things that, ha- that make you cry? What are some of the things that make you fear? What are they are? What are they? What is it that's causing you to, to run after somebody that you know you shouldn't be with? What is it that you, what, why, are you why are you smoking weed? What is, what is causing you to, what, what, ask yourself these questions. Just look in the mirror and start talking and saying, God, I don't want to be like this. Show me what I need to do. Show me me. And come in agreement with someone. Freedom belongs to you. It is your right. And the devil will try to keep you bound and and you lying and conniving and you're hiding. And God says, I want you to be free. Free from the hookups. You're hooking up with that one. You're hooking up with this one. And you think nobody knows, but God knows. And he does not want you to live that way. So it entangles us. 2 Peter 2 and 19 says, They promised them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. The Bible says in Psalms 139 and 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offense, offensive way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Here is David saying, God, just I'm transparent. Search me, whatever is in me, I need you to take care of it. Second Timothy 2 and 9, and this is Paul speaking. He says, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. So here Paul is saying, though I am chained in the natural, I'm free. (laughs) Though I may be in prison, locked up, chained to a guard, I am free. So he lets you understand that your mind, if it gets right with God, can allow you to be free when others are bound. It allows you to be in circumstances that others will look at you and think, how can you deal with that or handle that? You'd be like, because I'm free as a bird. (laughs) You know, there are a lot of times people got a lot of stuff and they're bound. And there's others that may not have as much, but they got some freedom. They have liberty. Nothing is holding them down. Nobody's words can stop them. They are so free in the spirit that they walk in a supernatural power. And so here we see Paul with this type of freedom. 
He was bound, but he was free. He didn't care. Of what, he didn't keep questioning why he was where he was. He didn't question about why that person did what they did. It didn't matter. Because he was a prisoner of the Lord. And because he was a prisoner of the Lord, he knew that he was in the right place at the right time. It didn't matter how he got there. It didn't matter who stabbed him in the back. It didn't matter because he was free. He was not bound to what people did to him. He was free for what God was doing in him. So the, cha- the circumstances didn't change, but guess who did? Paul changed. And God is saying, your circumstances may not change, but guess what will change? You will change. And when you change, you'll walk in freedom. When you change, you'll walk in liberty. And change is not change until you change. And it's in that place that God will cause favor to rest upon your life. No more striving and no more struggling. God will do it. And so here we see he was in prison, but he was free. And so you can be free from a a, a nasty boss. I'm talking about a situation that may not change. You know that nasty boss that treats you like dirt? You can come into the building now and he can treat you like dirt, and you can say, God bless you. I'm free. You know, you know the one, the employers, the employees that try to sabotage your work? And you, they try to bring you down? And you don't have to go feeling any kind of way anymore. You go in with power and authority, and you say, God, you handle it. You are my protector. Let the truth shine. Every lie be exposed. What is done in darkness will come to light. And you smile at folk and let them know that God is with. Oh, come on now. You declare ministering angels and warring angels in your office. Go ahead and splash some oil on your desk. Come on. Don't be afraid to open up your mouth and declare that the enemy is defeated. Oh, all you got to do is begin to worship him and give him glory. Get that devil out of your out of your office you got the power you got the authority why because you are free they can't harness you anymore people want to push your buttons because they know all they got to do is say one thing and you go off and that next start and all of a sudden you be rack them slack them what well, i thought you were a christian and here you are to mess up your testimony You done cussed everybody out. You done smashed somebody's windows. Slipped people's tires. Keyed off. What happened? I thought that's that's what Jesus does. But when your mind is right, you don't let them let you come out of character. Because you're always going to be the queen. Hallelujah. When they go low... You go high. Amen. So we're free. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 16, you know no man by the flesh. And here Jesus is speaking. So when people look at you, they may, not know, they may see you in the flesh, but they don't know really what's in there. Yeah, turn to your neighbor and say, you must not know about me. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you must not know about me. I, I, this, there is a treasure in this earthen vessel. You may not can see the queen, but God already declared that I'm a queen. 
You may not see the millionaire status, but God has already declared it. Oh, I'm not looking at my negative bank account right now because God has already said, if I apply his word and his principle, he says my destiny is already intact, that I have greatness for myself. And God says it belongs to me. Get your mind right, ladies. The last thing I want to talk about, and then we're going to close and we're going to pray, is that you have to be free so you can free others. <laughs> free folk or free people, free other people. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul is saying, I'm suffering all this <laughs> in prison, not for myself, but for others to obtain. Philippians 1 and 12 says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my change, most of my brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So here Paul is saying, I'm in prison, but folks still getting saved. I'm in prison, but I'm free. And because I'm free in prison, I'm saving souls of others through Jesus Christ. The guards know that I'm here because of Christ. I'm able to witness to them. It's getting to Nero. Nero going to find out why I'm here for real. Oh, and all the other Christians in here, they know I'm in here. And now they got bonus too. They said if Paul can do it, surely we can do it. And God says when you are free for real, others will be set free. When you're free for real, you'll be an example for others to follow. And so when People usually get free, though. They act a fool. Let's just be real about it. The Revolutionary War. They were fighting to be free from their oppressors in Europe. They came over here, and what they do? Start oppressing the Indians. And so many times you see folk, they get, they get freedom financially. I saw this in network marketing all the time. You give somebody a little bit of money, they never have money. They don't have Christ. They lose their mind. They want people to kiss their ring and they're behind. They, they, they want people to submit, and, and then you got people who are free. They say, I want my food this way. I want the ministry to look like this, just like this. Don't do it differently. I want it like this. You're free, and God has blessed you to be a blessing. And God has caused you to be free so that you can free somebody else to walk in their gifts and their talents. And now you become a narcissistic dictator in your freedom. And, and that's that. Paul said, I don't want you to be that way. Paul says, when you're free, you've got to be free to help somebody else be free. So freedom comes with responsibility. So what do you say? When you have a child and they say, mama, my son, well, I have four kids. I have a 24-year-old. I have a 23-year-old. I have a 20-year-old and I have a 19-year-old. And my 19-year-old, when he got his license, the next day, he said, I want to drive to Tampa. We live in Orlando. I said, you ain't doing that. I can't, I, I can't give you that freedom because you're not ready yet. He, he literally punched a hole in the wall out of frustration because he really wanted to go see some. Uh, he's, 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 a, he's a self-proclaimed like nerd, and he likes 
all this stuff, like techie stuff. And he could not understand he was not ready. He wanted freedom that he wasn't ready for. And folk oftentimes don't understand that God will give you a little bit of a harness not to hurt you, but to protect you because you're not ready for the responsibility yet. And so why am I saying that? Because some people get, get, get a twist. They get narcissistic and they want it now. Give it to me now. I got to have it now. And God said, I'm going to give it to you, but I got to see your consistency first. Will you be faithful over a little first? So I can make you ruler over much. I'm going to give you the freedom that you're requesting, but I need to test you a little bit. And the testing is not for you to, to be take things taken away from you. It's so I can give you more. I just got to see your capacity. That's it. We have to bring balance. That's all. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 4.1 says, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation where ye are called. He says, I therefore am the prisoner of the Lord. Here's Paul talking, but he's free, remember? And he says, I need you to walk worthy of the vocation. And worthy means weight. He said, I need you to walk in the weight that you've been called. So we opened up by talking about the potential of how oppressor, oppressors, they, they try to tear, tear you down so that you don't walk in your potential. Here Paul is saying, I see your potential and I want you to walk in it. Paul said, I see your greatness, and I want you to walk in the greatness that God has called you. I see the potential of a businesswoman. I see the potential of a great ministry. I see the potential of all the gifts and talents. I need you to walk worthy of the calling that you have been called to. And he says this, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, but bearing one another in love. So wait a minute. When I walk in freedom... And I understand that I am free, that I don't come as a person that lost my mind with, with a big kid that I can't even get through the door, but I come in with lowliness and meekness. Okay, so when you're free, meekness means you have power, but it's power that's harnessed. And so now you're dealing with folk that are not free, but you learn how to deal with them because you're bringing them out. So can I tell you this? Folk that are not free but want to be free, oftentimes they might have some issues. And when they have issues, it takes somebody that's patient. Have you ever done with, dealt with somebody who was an alcoholic but they wanted to be free? It takes patience, right? Have you ever dealt with a drug addict, somebody with drug addiction, heroin addiction? It takes patience, right? And so here Paul said, I need you to have a lowly, meek spirit when you're dealing with folk. You've got to go to where they are. You've got to deal with them where they are. You've got to understand because you're endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit. Even as ye are called one hope of your calling. There is one Lord, one faith, and what baptism. So he is saying you are free not just so that you can be successful. You're free so you can advance the kingdom of God. You're free so that you can bring others out of hell. You're free because you can now deal with somebody else that was about to lose their mind. And you can let them know it's going to be all right. See, you, I understand when I see folk that are sad or I see them rocking a certain way. I understand when I see folk trembling a little bit because that used to be me. I, I remember being in a corner one day and just rocking. And I felt like I wanted to start drooling too. 
I felt like I was just paralyzed by the pain. I said, God, I think it'd be easier if I lose my mind because I cannot fight anymore. I'm tired. I'm weary. I can't do this anymore. And I felt like I could not come out of it. And it was there that God spoke a word. You will live and not die. And when God began to speak, tears rolled down my eyes. I, w- I had seen manifestations of demons and I saw stuff in the spirit realm. I was like, God, it is too much for me. And God says, I've called you for such a time as this. It was in the place of despair that God gave me my freedom. He gave me my anointing. And so how dare I walk away when other folk are in the valley season losing it. I go to them and I let them know you will live and not die. You will carry out your purpose. It is not over. It's just beginning. God is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll be with you till the end of time. God loves you. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. And everything you lost, God said, I will restore store. Everything that the devil talked from you, God said, I will increase it and multiply it. God says, you will be my testimony. And because you're a testimony, you're going to allow the devil to be exposed. And you're going to open up your mouth and declare the word of the Lord. And others will be free because you are free. You're free. There were miners that got stuck in a cave, a soccer team that got stuck in a cave. They didn't know how to get out. The rains were coming. It was a matter of time before they were going to be doomed and drowned. They were young boys with one adult. And they were in a cave that they could not find their way out. But there were some free folk. They were free. And they, they understood the dynamics of the caves. They understood the dynamics of the taverns and, and how they moved. And they understood how to get there. And some even risked their life to get to those that were trapped. And God says, this conference is prophetic because many of you are in here free, but we got sisters that are being left behind. That we've got to go into the places where they're trying to get free, but they don't know how. They need someone that will be lowly and meek enough to go down into the deep places and the dark places and the trenches. Go to places that nobody else want to go. Go into the, the gutters and go into the places that look like it's death about to happen, but they're not afraid because they walk in freedom. They're not afraid and they'll go and get those that are lost. The body of Christ, sisters, we've got to rise up And stop looking like the world, talking like the world, chatting like the world, being like in the time of Noah and just being merry and drinking and acting like nothing is taking place. These are the days that we've got to look for souls and look for the lost and look for those that need to be set free. It's not a time to look like the Kardashians and look like Beyonce. It's not the time to emulate the world. It's the time to emulate 
Christ. Where is your power? Can you have patience to bring the body of Christ together? You're free. We've got to set others free. You're free. We've got to make a difference for the lost. We can't leave our sisters behind. But they got a bad mouth. You know, they be cussing people out. That's the one God wants. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, she's up and out. She, she, she got money. She got, she got cars. She got it all together. But she cries at night ready to slit her wrists. She needs somebody that will free her from that life. She's empty inside. The money's not feeling it. The men is not feeling it. She's empty. She needs a sister to come and speak freedom. And there's some of you here tonight. You've been in a place where you have smiles on your face, but inside you're being crushed. At home, at times, you feel trapped. Others feel like the weight of the finances and the debt is choking you and you got tears coming out of your face, out of your eyes, wondering how you're going to make it next year. There's others of you that are trapped by insecurity, wondering, can you ever measure up? There's some of you that feel as if maybe my life, you know, I thought I'll be further along than I am today. I thought that I'll have to accomplish so much more. And so now you let the devil talk to you and tell you it's too late. Tell your sister the devil is a liar. God says, I will redeem the time. God says that you are free. I will redeem the time. And right now, I just need you to stand to your feet because I just want to pray with you. I believe that there is an anointing on my life for breakthrough. Do you understand there is something called a breaker anointing? Well, we're going to break through things that have kept or captivated us or have, have got our minds in the wrong place or have oppressed us from childhood until now, have caused us to want to give up and quit. There are things that have happened in our lives that have made us feel like we're not worthy, men that have dogged us out and made us feel as if we weren't good enough or special enough and there was somebody always better than us. Oh, words hurt, y'all. Words have crushed us at times. And God says, I am bringing deliverance even now. I'm bringing deliverance even now, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. I hear the Lord that would even say that in this season, he says, if you would yield to my spirit, he says, I will do the rest. I love that about God. He says, I don't need you to strive, Sarah. I don't need you to figure it out, Sarah. I don't need you to figure out how Isaac is coming. He said, I already got that taken care of. I just need you to yield to me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we give you the glory and the honor. We thank you right now for our dear sisters. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where's that? I can see it. It's a little bit of glare. Second row right there. You. Mm -hmm. The Lord said, are you ready for the turnaround? 
He says there's going to be a turn around in your life in this and I, y'all, I don't, I'm, I don't claim to be a prophet. I do flow, I flow prophetically, and I don't believe in speaking something out of um, emotion. I believe that I speak when I hear the word of the Lord. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I take it very seriously. But he said, I'm going to do a turn around in you. He said, there's some things that I'm reversing in your life. He said that there have been some strongholds that have caused your mind to think alternatively that you're not supposed to think because of the strongholds. It's just been booming, booming, booming. And so God says, I'm, I'm turning, I keep hearing, tell her I'm turning it around. Meaning in the reversing of the process, he says, I'm bringing a new level of passion I'm bringing a level of peace and every area that had been empty before, he says, I'm turning that around. So where there was emptiness, he says, I'm bringing fulfillment. Where there were fake and phony, he said, I'm bringing the authentic. Where there was, where there was turmoil and striving and, and, and hurt and I could just see it like uh, anger even. He said, I'm turning it around and there will be a level of peace. Hear me when I say, hear me when I say. And so even now, Trish, can you give her a hug for me? I know, we, I just want to, that's my hug to you right now. Whoa, 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 whoa. Tonight, God says, I'm breaking through for you. I'm breaking through for you. Now, the good part about this, he says, you're not going to have to figure it out or strive in it, Okay. You're not going to have to think about it and strive in it. God says, I'm going to line it up for you. He said, I just need you to be yielded, all right? All right. Come on, y'all. Let's get God a big hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we give you the glory and the honor. And we thank you for you love your daughters tonight. Father, we thank you that you are here. Your presence is here. For you said that there is a breaker anointing. Father, we come against every stronghold. We come against every word that has lodged in our spirit that is not of you. And we cancel the assignment of the enemy that has caused us to feel bound and oppressed, caused us to feel in bondage, feelings that if we can never be set free. But tonight, oh God, I, we thank you that there is a lifting. And we thank you that the oppression is lifting. Father, I thank you that we can see I thank you that you've opened up our eyes that we can see what we could not see before. Father, we thank you that even in the wilderness, you're causing us to see wells. You're causing us to see springs. Even in the wasteland, you're making a way. And Father, we thank you right now that this is a season of the deliverance. This is the season of the breakthrough. So Father, we call forth purpose. We call forth destiny. Father, even now, we call forth that which has been held up and every hindering spirit, we cancel their assignment now and every generational familiar spirit, we cancel their assignment now in the name of Jesus. And the woman with your with the, the teal and the brown, and you just did like that. You, hallelujah. The Lord says that I am causing you 
He's, I heard the Lord said, tell her she's blessed. Tell her she's blessed. While I was still talking to her, I heard the Lord said, tell her she is blessed. And so when we say blessed, we said there is a favor that God is allowing you to walk in that you've not stepped into. God says, I'm going to grace you to step into another level. And people say, but that's not really maybe your temperament. That's not really who you really are. And God says, but watch what I do when you make the step. Hear what I say. So, so what steps are you going to make? I want to be clear for you. Because there are opportunities that have come your way before, and it was really the hand of God, but you didn't do anything with it. And God says, it's okay. He said, I'm a God of a second chance. Hallelujah. 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 I'm a God of a second chance. And he says, I'm going to allow my favor to rest. And I keep hearing, say, tell her she is blessed. <laughs> blessed. So, so why did he tell me to tell you? I believe God is saying that. It's so that you can say it. That you can start declaring it. I am blessed. I am the blessed of God. I am highly favored of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says, you are not ignored. God says, you are blessed. He says, you are not overlooked. He says, you are blessed. He says, I've seen you. I've heard you. Hallelujah. So, Father, we give you glory and honor. And we receive that word, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we give you honor and we give you glory. And I want to leave with this one scripture, 2 Corinthians 3.15. But even until this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as the spirit of the Lord. So here is the liberty. So that means now when I look, the veil is broken. It's not on my face anymore. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can see clearly now. <laughs> and when you look at your sister, you don't know her by the flesh. You see a woman of stature. You see a woman of prominence. Why? Because she belongs to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, you see a woman that has increased in her life. And so now when you look at yourself, the veil is taken off. I'm free. I see myself like God sees me. I see myself looking like Jesus. I see myself walking in victory. I see myself with power and authority. Hallelujah. We are free, ladies. And now when we leave this place, we leave with a lightness. Don't anybody feel lighter? We leave feeling lighter. And we leave being able to draw others to the light in us. Why? Because we free. We free. Amen. Amen. So, Father, we thank you and we give you honor and glory. We ask, oh God, that this word will permeate our spirit and the enemy shall not steal it. We thank you that this word shall be rooted and planted 
and produce a great harvest in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I pray for Lady Diane. I pray for all the leaders in the women's ministry. I pray for each and every person under the sound of my voice. Father, I pray that you will endow them with supernatural grace and favor. I pray even now, oh God, that there will be a level of even a greater anointing as they understand their freedom. Father, we thank you that this conference is prophetic. And we thank you because it is prophetic that the portals of heaven are open. That as the theme has gone forth to heaven, oh God, that it shall produce greatness, oh God. We thank you that harvests are coming. We thank you even now, oh God, that manifestations of your glory shall be present. And we give you glory and honor for it. Father, we choose to expect it and believe it. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say... Amen and amen. God bless you. You can do better than that. Come on, put your hands together tonight. Come on and be great and greatly to be free. Are you free tonight? Come on and praise him. That's mighty weak. But let me tell you, I heard the Lord say, ask them. Do you really know who you are? Do you understand who called you here, gathered you together to hear what he had to say? Amen? The Lord says it's a sad thing if we open those back doors and you still stand in here and say, I want to get out. Well, the door is open. All you have to do is turn around and walk out. But you're standing in the room and it's like, I want to get out. The door is open to you tonight. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. If there's anybody in here tonight who does not yet understand that Jesus is the way, I'm here to tell you, he is. You want to be free? You can be free even where you are. The first freedom you get is in your soul, in your spirit, in your mind. Joseph was in prison, but he was free. Amen? Esther was a victim of what we call today human trafficking, but she was free. So to be free does not necessarily mean that I pop out. But once I get connected to the vine, to the truth, to the life. Once I understand that I'm the apple of his eye. Once I understand that weeping endure for a night, but joy is going to come in the morning. Once I get that straight in my mind, it may take me a minute to untangle what it took me a long time to tangle up. So don't make freedom be. I need him to go somewhere. Don't let your freedom be. I don't have enough money. Don't let your freedom be tied to that. You can be broken free. Amen? You can live with him and be free. Amen? Amen. Because the freedom God offers tonight, he'll work all of that out. Amen? He'll work all of that out. But you have to take the first step. The Bible said, what does it say? The words, nigh thee, 
It's near you. It's near you. He's as close as the breath you're breathing right now. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. The Bible says you're going to be saved. You want to be free tonight? Every head bow and every eye closed. Are you in here tonight and not free? Have you not accepted him as your Savior? I want to see your hand tonight. If you will accept this Jesus that I offer, the God of all ages. If you're in here tonight and you're not saved, can I see your hand? If you will accept this gift of freedom from him tonight. Amen. Do we have one? Amen. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight. You're such a good God. You've blessed us and you've kept us. Mm. Greet you, our Father, in all the earth and greatly to be praised. And today we ask, I feel him, you in here. You might not want to raise your hand, but he sees you right now. Let me tell you, he sees you right now. Let's repeat it together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I accept your gift of salvation. Created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit on the inside. And renew a right spirit on the inside. Strengthen me where I need to be strengthened. Free me where I need to be free. And I'll thank you for it for the rest of my days. In Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God. Amen. Amen. Don't you love him tonight?